There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in Tampa Ranch, Michael Weiser. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, retired NYPD sergeant, 27-year veteran. You know, before I get into today's uh, story, of course, we're going to catch up on the uh, escaped inmate from Texas, Gonzalo Lopez. Today, I had the real honor of being invited to a, uh, it's on the screen there, the 3-2 Precinct Memorial Wall Dedication. And two more names were added to this wall. And to be added to the wall in the 3-2 precinct, unfortunately, is posthumously. And these two officers, Jason Rivera, Detective Jason Rivera and Detective Wilbert Mora, uh, they were ambushed on January 21st of this year. And they both subsequently lost their lives in that incident. And unfortunately, the 3-2 precinct, one of the proudest precincts probably in the city at one time one of the busiest crime wise was a very very in the 80s and 90s was one of the most violent precincts in the entire city and as a result of that the three two precinct has probably more line of duty deaths of any precinct in the city i'm going to show you the memorial wall and it's really sort of chilling when you see it if you don't feel something being in the presence of this wall. And every single day when the officers of the three two precinct come into work, they pass that wall to their left uh, before they get to the desk where they salute the desk and the desk officer. Up on the screen right now is a picture of that wall and of all the officers in three two precinct history that lost their lives. And you can see the bottom uh, two is Officer um, Jason Rivera and Wilbert Mora. So they had a ceremony today, and it was um, it was beautiful, actually. And um, I was very um, honored to be invited. I actually, I have a, on the screen now is a picture of me standing in front of that wall. Another great honor to stand in front of that wall. And they had a whole ceremony, of course. They had the uh, uh, the ceremonial unit was there. Uh, community affairs, uh, police commissioner Kishant Sewell. Uh, the whole dais was filled with the top ranks of the NYPD, and one of the greatest um, commanding officers of the three in three two precinct history at the time, Deputy Inspector Louis Anamon, who uh, elevated to the rank of Chief of Department. But he is a legendary commanding officer of the three two, and he was invited back because of the respect he had among the police officers there, he was invited back to speak at this ceremony. And uh, it it was pretty amazing. And I also ran into a a favorite of this podcast and a favorite 3-2 Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, uh, who, of course, has the book Harlem Raiders, which tells the tales of his activities in the 3-2 a precinct, I believe it was back in the 70s. So a lot of, a lot of history there. 
And the amazing thing with going back to um, a police event is that being a cop is, is a lifetime job. It really is. It's a lifetime job. When you see people, how many people stay on a job for 20, 25, 30, 40 years and then go back to events and run into people that you haven't seen in 25 or 30 years, but they remember your first name. They remember everything about you. And I don't know any other uh, profession that's like that other than policing. And that was the case today. I ran into many people that I worked with, many people. You know, I actually, a few of my former students at the college I used to teach at who are now police officers in the 3-2, they came up to me and they addressed me as professor. And they said, Professor Cannon, and, you know, something... I don't know if you, when you've met thousands and thousands of people, and I didn't remember the, the student's name now, the officer's name, but of course I pretended that I knew everything about him. And it was an honor. He came up to me and said, Professor Cannon, how are you doing? And I congratulated him because it's a real honor to be a NYPD police officer, especially assigned to the three, too. And the, this other picture on the screen, of course, I couldn't resist uh, taking a selfie in front of the 3-2 precinct. It was an honor to be there, as I said, and um, amazing, amazing day. And these two young officers, of course, on January 21st of this year, both lost their lives. And, uh, well, uh, I think Jason Rivera lost his life that night and Wilbert Mora uh, succumbed to his injuries a couple of days later. And... Um, it was just, it's just a roller coaster. And you, you know, you see the families were there and you see that how they will forever be impacted by this. And, you know, the truth is not just the families, but the extended family, the police department family, the three, two cops, of course, that are closest um, to these two officers that lost their lives. And, you know, another little funny aside was there, were, there was this cadet, um, uh, I when I was in Manhattan North Homicide Squad, Special Victims was right across the hall, and there was there was this cadet, and she looks at me and she just smiled and wanted to see if I recognized, and of course I did. And she was a lieutenant in emergency service, and I was just like, I remember you, and I remember the name and everything, and uh, so those are the kind of things that you experience in police work and going back, and uh, it's almost it is somewhat like a, a reunion. Uh, and oh, Lieutenant Pete is in the chat. Uh, kind words. Thanks, Bill. You wrote credit to the NYPD and, of course, the 3 2. Um, I'm sure uh, Lieutenant Pete was touched today by this, too. It was a pretty um, amazing event. So, oof. Okay, guys. All right, let's get to the case of today. You know, the, the, um, everyone's talking about still this escaped prisoner from Texas. And, you know, I watched some of Duty Ron's show last night, and he had some people on that actually videotaped the inmate running across the field. And I'm very suspect about what happened here. I really am. I don't think it all adds up. I just think it, there's a lot of, a lot of things that don't make sense. And, that public relations guy, Robert Hurst, I don't think he can really, um, he can't just close the case and say the investigation's over. It's not. It's, it's uh, the investigation is still ongoing. And I just, I find it a little bit, 
Let me play a little bit from the news, and this is part the manhunt, of course, still going on. And uh, let's just see what these folks say here. Through the metal cage, overpowered both guards before driving away and ultimately running into the woods near Centerville. It sounds like a well-orchestrated scene from an action movie that has prompted an all-out manhunt. But how does that happen in real life? Matt Doherty trying to get answers to those questions tonight. Matt? You'd have to think some serious planning was behind an escape like this. But like most of this case, the details are still very much a mystery. For the first time, we're getting a better idea of what's happening inside that five square mile search area in western Leon County. This video given to us today by the Texas Department of Criminal Justice shows the hundreds of officers who have been marching through the brush acre by acre and the pop-up city that sprung up on the cow pastures in and around Centerville. But so far... Every possible hiding spot has come up empty. Right now, every indication we have is that he's still out here. TDCJ spokesman Robert Hurst shared newly released images of escaped inmate Gonzalo Lopez. They were taken by surveillance cameras shortly before he boarded the prison transport bus last Thursday. I've had a lot of people comment, you know, that he's got a smirk on his face. So who knows what he was thinking? It is still unknown if Lopez brought anything onto the bus that may have assisted his escape. The proper protocol is for an inmate to be searched before they get onto a transport bus. That'll be part of our investigation to find out if protocol was followed in what was supposed to be done. How the convicted killer for the cartel managed to shed his shackles, cut through a metal barrier, stab a prison bus driver, and ultimately get away is still a mystery, Hearst says. That's part of our ongoing investigation is to find out exactly how he did it and why it was not noticeable. We're going to be turning over every possibility to find out what it was that he did and how he did it. And is there any indication that somebody from the inside was involved in this? I have not been notified of anything like that, but again, that'll be part of our ongoing investigation. In Centerville, I'm Matt Doherty. So, folks, I, I'm just not, um, I'm not really satisfied with this. Uh, I mean, they're not really updating anyone in regards to the investigation of this case. Like, what... You know, what the hell happened? You know, when we spoke about this, uh, Phil and I spoke about this yesterday. You know, how did he get on the bus with a knife or a cutting instrument? Why wasn't he searched? Part two, how did he get out of shackles and handcuffs? Three, how did he get to the front part of the bus and start digging underneath the cage with this said object without... The other correction officer in the rear of the bus with a shotgun not confronting him. In addition, the driver was armed with a handgun. Why didn't the driver shoot this guy when he brought a knife to a gunfight? You know, these are all the questions that I'm asking. I'm sure um, I'm sure all you guys have questions too. I mean, if anyone watched Duty Ron last night, he had some witnesses on who's uh witnessed some things that didn't corroborate what the two correction officers on the bus said. And in addition, there was a police officer from the local police department on the scene with the inmate in sight of running across the field. I don't know. What was his, what did he do? What was his function? I just, I, I'm not getting this. I'm not, you know, we use the word fugazi. Something is fugazi here. I, I don't like it. 
Um, Frank Marshall, Bill, this guy is gone big time. He had help inside and outside the prison. Inmates don't stick around when they go. They get out of the area as quickly as they can. I can see his hand, uh, handcuffs. That's all. Frank Marshall, you know something? I tend to agree with you. I'm just wondering how they're, um, they haven't changed course or someone else hasn't taken over this search because it just doesn't seem like um, a lot of it is adding up. It's not adding up. Judith Lyons, uh, I still don't get how this guy could get through the cage. I suspect stuff he needed was planted on the bus before he even got on that bus. Judith, you know something? I'm, I'm not, I don't disagree with you. There's a lot of things in this case that uh, make no sense whatsoever. Kristen Robertson. It's said that they wrestled for the gun, him and the driver. Maybe the driver didn't have time to shoot him. No, I don't get that. I don't get that. You know something? Um, they wrestled for the gun. So he put down his knife and wrestled for the gun. I don't know. I'm not. Uh... And then the whole part about them shooting out the tires. I, that... The whole time frame, the whole thing just does not make a lot of sense. The, in addition, you'll see, um, we, I'm going to put Ashley Banfield on for a while. They discuss why haven't they utilized the national media more? Because they're banking their whole, they're placing their whole bet that he is in this five-mile contained area that they feel they've blocked off. However, what if he's not? Why aren't you using the national media to get his picture all over the world to say, you know, maybe he's in Mexico. Maybe he's, he's in another state, you know? Um, look at Casey and Vicky White. They went through three states in 11 days, and they were spotted on surveillance camera. But if you don't utilize the media to get this information out there, to attempt to apprehend this guy. You cannot just bank on the fact, oh, he's in this, he's in this cordoned off area and we trapped this area so this is impossible. Please don't give yourself that much credit. Criminals are slippery, you know? And to just act as if you got this under control and there's no way he got out of that that area. We had it blocked off. No, it, there is a possibility he got out of that area. He could have had help, like everyone is saying, you know. Um uh, Saul T, is it true he was last seen only wearing boxer shorts? Saul T, that is the first time I've heard that. So no, that is not true as far as I can discern. Uh, Antonio, he's not in that five-mile area. Antonio, I agree with you 100%. Uh, ben Mack, he's in Mexico. Or did you mean he and he's not in Mexico? Well, I'm not sure what you mean by he and Mexico. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's in. Okay, he's in Mexico. Okay, cool. Bob Armenia. Um, he is no Casey or Vicky. This man is the Mexican MacGyver. <laughs> um, Chai Lee Wen. That photo they're showing. It looks like Gonzalo Lopez should have a halo above his head. Yeah, he looks a little angelic, doesn't he? Um. Bureau's cats, it could have been a mafia plan, executed escape with inside people who might have been threatened if they didn't do mafia's bidding, just a theory. 
Bureau's cats, you know something? Your theory is just as good as anyone else's. But the theory that, you know, he's in this five-mile contained area, I don't know. Do they know something that they're not putting out there? Time Traveler, K Paso, how are you? Good to see you, Time Traveler. Banjo Zep 7 reminds me of an old Western movie or that song, My Baby Loves the Western um, Western Movies. Um, well, yeah, I'll go over a little bit of his criminal history. Actually, they they do it. I'm going to play a little bit now of um, Ashley Banfield again because I think she does a very good job on this. And they keep um, hammering how many offices are on this case. They're they sparing no expense. They're searching all over. There's helicopters, planes, birds, you know, everything. Hundreds of officers, dogs, horses, heat, seeking gear and bupkis. Nothing. No sign of that killer and no warnings on national television to the public. Did the Texas authorities screw this one up royally? And are they staying mum? Because it is becoming painfully clear that may be exactly what they've done. Joining me now live is Chris Wecker. He is the former assistant director of the FBI Criminal Investigations Unit, and he led the search for Eric Rudolph, the Olympic Park bomber, so he knows a mm. thing or two about hunting elusive fugitives in the woods. Also with me, Dan Eckert, criminal defense attorney and former prosecutor, once upon a time also a federal agent. Welcome to both of you. Chris, I'm going to begin with you if I can. Uh, I just don't understand why the authorities aren't blanketing the news and soliciting the help of anyone and everyone who A, can help, media included, and B, can warn people that this horribly dangerous, lethal killer is out there. Yes, it is curious, Ashley. I mean, you always want to leverage the public as much as you can. The only thing I can think of is that this is a county of 15,000. They think they know they've got him somewhere in, a, in the rural out, out in the hinterlands there, and they may not need the general public at this point. They have they have posted a fifty thousand dollar reward, but everything I read, and I, my good friend Steve McCraw is head of Department of Public Safety there. Um, they're very good at what they do, and they're very much involved with the three hundred other officers. It sounds like they've got him somewhere in that area. They don't believe he's gotten out of there, at least in the most latest reports. Well, gosh, you know, uh, I, I wish I could tell you something, you know, newer than yesterday at five, uh, because right. that's when they told me about this wanted guy and the fact that they had narrowed the search down to five square miles. And we've heard nothing since. And so, Dan, jump in here with this, because uh, I just covered a manhunt last week where two fugitives covered three states <laughs> in just a couple of days. And so... How can they be so sure he's in those five square miles? Because they ain't seen him yet. And number two, how about getting on the national media in case he's not in that state, in case someone was there to get him and drove him far away? You know, folks, one of the things they're saying today is that they're expanding the um, five-mile area out a little bit further. So perhaps they're losing confidence in their first theory that – he is, in fact, in that five-mile contained area. Could he be? Look, yeah, there's a lot of they what they call um, uh, vacation and camping homes there, and a lot of them are packed with food and guns and all of that stuff. Could he be inside one of these homes and laying low? Absolutely. He absolutely could. So let, we don't discount it, but as time goes on, it's less and less probable 
that he's in that contained area. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Ashley. And I agree. You do want to leverage the, uh, you know, the public. Obviously, you've got uh, more eyes uh, in the public than you do just the law enforcement that's involved in the investigation. And, and given, uh, I guess, his alleged contacts with the Mexican mafia, possibly some Mexican cartels, um, you know, there's that possibility uh, that it's not just a Texas manhunt. Um, it could be something that could encompass other states or possibly going across the border. So it's not it's not a bad idea to get the uh, resources of the media, the public involved, uh, at least get it on their mind all the time in case they see something. Just like the car wash incident where the uh, the fugitives were caught in Indiana, um, uh, Mr. White. I mean, that's a that's a that's a great example of, of what you're talking about. Yeah, Vicki and Casey White were caught because the car wash manager saw Casey on the news because they were making themselves very available and putting this story all over the news. But there is not a word, you know, from the authorities uh, who are leading, you know, this manhunt. And not only that, too tired last night to be on this program. And tonight, sorry, we'll call you when we think we need to. And I you know, that, that is one of the problems. I think this public information guy, uh, he's not getting the information out there. And that makes the public uh, more uptight. It also makes the public, all the eyes and ears you can have, potentially have with the public, you're not utilizing them because they're not getting the information. And I think that's what uh, Ashley Banfield is um, referring to. I mean, how do you say you're too tired? Then put someone else on that's not too tired. I just, I just have not experienced that in my many years of covering manhunts. And I think that, listen, it's two-pronged, Chris. Like I said, number one, you need as much help to catch this guy as possible, right? But number two, you've got to make sure that every person out there who could potentially, um, you know, be a barrier to this man's freedom knows that they've got to be very careful with what they see in their shed. They've got to be very careful with... Uh, Richard Resendez, yeah, he could be laying low, folks. He did, We spoke about before, there's a lot of camping cabins there stocked with food. He could be in one of those and just laying low. And uh, But I think one of the things that the searchers have to do is start methodically searching all of these cabins to see if anyone is in there. Uh, Okie dokie, seven public information guy needs a vacation, perhaps early retirement. Um Antonio, we spoke about this. Why Why did this bus not have a video camera? Why? We find that extremely uh, hard to believe. Uh, Andres Rangel, they're not even talking about it on our news stations here in Corpus Christi. See, that's a mistake because he could have gotten out of that area. And the folks outside uh, the supposed perimeters of this search, they're not... Uh, they're not getting the information. Police off the cuff, that defies any logic to why they wouldn't make that available since they document it in his records. You're talking about the tattoos. Yeah, they haven't They haven't put that out there, though. With who they pick up on the highway. They've got to be very careful with people they spot because this man used a pickaxe on a hostage when he didn't get the ransom and he shot at a sheriff's deputy. He cares nothing about human life. This is a thoroughly dangerous individual. You're absolutely right, Ashley. It's a two-pronged thing. You want to make sure that the public is aware he's out there, that he's dangerous to not confront him. We've seen in manhunts over and over again, desperate people like him will carjack. They'll do home invasions, uh, lay low there in a house. Everybody in that county is in danger right now, if in fact he's still in that county. 
as I said, they, they seem to think that that's the case. But you're, you're so right. Mexican mafia connections, cartel connections, killed somebody with a pickaxe. It was a drug ransom situation. Uh, chased, you know, shot at deputies, got into a high-speed chase, serving a life sentence. This guy's not going to get taken alive, in my opinion. Serving two, two life sentences. Um, right. Okay, uh, so... In the interview, you know, way back early in the week that the the Texas uh, PIO for the, you know, the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, in that interview, um, he was all too eager to highlight the heroics of the prison guard in the back of the bus. And so let me just rerun a piece of that interview. Take a look. Another officer who was in the back of the bus who quickly and heroically and smartly decided to shoot out the back tires of the bus uh, as it was driving down the highway. He had gotten out of the back of the bus through the emergency door, shot out the tires. Lopez then lost control of the bus. Dan Eckert. Um, you know, I, I, I question that, too, is like, how does the inmate get control of the bus? And the two correction officers are now off the bus. And the inmate with 15 other inmates on the bus is driving away with their bus. And then you're going to call these two correction officers heroes? I called it, there's some incompetence there. You know, look, I know I worked for the NYPD for 27 years. The first thing we do after this incident, they would have suspended the two officers involved, or at least modified you pending the investigation. And this guy's ready to claim the to the correction officers of the week. That's a real pat on the back for that guy in the back of the bus who was a shotgun wielding prison guard watching over 16 inmates with a partition in between him and the inmates and then another partition in front of the inmates and the driver. And somehow that shotgun wielding guard didn't notice one of the inmates wriggling out of his cuffs, bending down to cut open a slat so he could crawl under and stab the driver. I don't call that heroic. I think your job was to shoot out those uh, tires and you should have nobody going <laughs> and patting themselves on the back while that killer's still out there somewhere. Call me crazy, Dan, but why on earth would two armed guards not be able to overpower a man like that? <clears throat> Well, you know, I, I do think you make some good observations about uh, about how this, in fact, happened uh, when you have armed, uh, you know, correctional officers and guards on the bus. Um, but it is it is a difficult situation. A lot of times, the the resources, the training. Um, I can't speak specifically about the Department of Corrections for Texas, but um, a lot of these municipalities or in these agencies will put somebody in a position where they're overwhelmed, um, and it sounds like. Um, Mr. Lopez and some of the other inmates that are on this bus were very, very violent, very serious criminals. Um, and Unfortunately, with any job, uh, prison guards, any job, people uh, tend to get complacent. They tend to get lax. And so there's a routine. 
And so it's day in, day out how we're taking, you know, we're taking the inmates to wherever we're taking them, even though there is that opportunity for these inmates to do something, you know, uh, terrible as, as it happened in this case. So I would think it's just an issue of complacency, um, you know, and I agree. I mean, there, there was an action taken, obviously, a use of force action where they stopped the bus. But could they have done something else? Could they have done a better job? Probably. No. They uh, didn't stop the, the bus. There. The bus made it a mile down the road. And because the wheels were, I, you know, shot out, it, it, I, I, he, he I, crashed. Yeah. <laughs> I meant stop the buses with, with shooting out the tires. Yeah. No, I, 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 I get it. I do okay. know the bus was able to Big progress question farther. Here. But yeah, th- th- those, are, those, are, those are hard questions. And what they should, should be okay. doing, or I'm sure they will do, is an after action report or after action investigation. No, I hope so. Where they're going to drill hope down and talk to everybody and investigate what they did, what they didn't do, and what should have been done. Um, particularly, like you said there was a shank it. on the bus. He was able to compromise uh-huh. his restraints and and get to the the bus driver. Those are all terrible scenarios in like, a correctional setting. Like I said, I kind of want answers. And Chris Wecker, I'm going to ask you a question. This is uncomfortable, very uncomfortable for me because I have been always been a proponent of law enforcement. I respect law enforcement. I worked for Live PD. I am thankful every day that they put themselves in harm's way for me. But I also have to ask questions and. One of the questions, I'm not going to lie, that came to mind, is it possible that this might have been an inside job? Because I just covered a guard who turned, a guard named Vicki White, who was amazing. And then she turned and she made things very dangerous for a lot of people. Is it possible that with all these weird circumstances in this particular manhunt, that there might have been an inside job here? Yeah, I think there's a, it wouldn't be the first time, and I think there's a great possibility. I mean, at at least this was gross negligence, multiple breaches of protocol. But when I look at his connections, Mexican mafia, they run the prisons in Texas, pretty much. I mean, they are in charge. They are, they are one of, they are the worst of the worst. And they they are, there are plenty of numbers and there's plenty of connections both inside and outside the jails. So it's not a stretch to think that they either compromised or bribed somebody to help out with this, uh, the investigation will reveal that. But I, I, you know, that this is, as I said, at least gross negligence, if not something intentional happening here. So actually, I think you may be hitting on something there. And I, I especially fire on the the Mexican mafia connections because they do have great influence in prison. They actually intimidate the guards. Yeah, well, listen, I'm not suggesting that this was something a guard necessarily might have done for monetary gain, but perhaps that guard could have been intimidated by the Mexican mafia to do this, uh, you know, threatened uh, to, to do this. These are all questions I'd like to ask, but strangely, I can't get them to appear on camera during a manhunt. So naturally my spidey senses are, are tingling. Chris Wecker, Dan Eckert, thank you. Chris Wecker, Dan Eckert, that, that, that's tricky. So folks, there you have it. I mean, we spoke about the, Phil and I spoke about the same thing yesterday. There's something uh, rotten in Denmark. We can use a New York word if something's fugazi <laughs> that doesn't add up. And it's it's like no one's saying it. The writing is all over the wall, but no one is saying that, oh, oh, this looks bad. This looks bad. But it does look bad. Because but so when when are we gonna hear something about the investigation? Uh that should be forthcoming. You know, in the Danamora escape in New York, and I believe it was 2017, someone said, um, so, "Someone said, uh, Salt, Salty, uh, Bill, you should be on Banfield's podcast and give your expertise." I've been on Ashley Banfield uh, a number of times, Salty. Thank you very much. 
uh, all of a sudden they're not using me anymore. I, they were using me a lot uh, a few months ago. Um, the thing COs do is to provide care, custody, and control of inmates. Texas Department of Correction dropped the ball on this one big time. Folks, if you like Police Off the Cuff podcast, please go on our YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. It's free to subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. Ring that bell. If you want to help support us financially, we have a Patreon with three different levels. You can join our Patreon. And we also have a YouTube membership. You could be a member of the Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories family. See the folks in the chat with the green font. They are part of our YouTube family, and we really appreciate them. They help uh, defray our expenses, so to speak. They help us. They're, they're paid members. So, folks, um, yeah, it's just crazy. This this case is crazy. And we're not getting a lot of good information out there. Uh, and I, I like this public relations guy, Robert Hurst, he doesn't seem like he's giving accurate information. I'm going to play another a news reporter here with some different information. We're now on week two of the massive manhunt in Leon County for convicted murderer Gonzalo Lopez. Today, authorities changed their strategy up, but just a little bit, expanding past their perimeter. But it is going to shift just a little bit based upon some information that we've received and just doing everything we can to locate him. The Texas Department of Criminal Justice PIO Robert Hurst says he couldn't go into further detail. But officers were on foot all the way out to Interstate 45, headed towards Madisonville, still believing Lopez is here in the area. We are positive that we will find him and get him back into custody. Despite some severe weather coming to Leon County, which her says could put a pause on the search, but didn't confirm because he says rain or not, they are not stopping. In Lopez's last escape, he lasted nine days until authorities found him. With the current search being a day shy of that, we'll soon see if there will be a repeat of that search. It's a process, he says, as many on social media compare the search to a movie, thinking it's a speedy process. That's Hollywood. Hollywood and what happens in real life are two different things. Lopez is a dangerous man serving a life sentence, and authorities are urging people to call 911 if you spot him. Sarah Wilson, CAGS News. You know, folks, again, they really need to um, to utilize the public and the eyes and the ears of the public. It was so great in the case with uh, Casey White and Vicky White, the car wash guy, James, I forget his last name now, how he said, you know, if you see something, say something. And that is exactly right. If you see something, say something. And that's what he did. He saw something and he said something. And that's that's so important to do that. Um, so that's, that's what we're trying to say here. It's that you see something, say something, and that's what they're not totally utilizing. They're not utilizing the public by putting it out there, not just locally. You got to put it out there nationally. He could be anywhere right now. The reward right now, or crypto mania, uh, crypt, uh, cryptonomics is $50,000. Uh, perhaps it'll be raised the longer he's out there. But right now it's at $50,000 information that leads to his capture or uh, his con caption conviction. So, you know, let's play a little of this. Escape a prison transport bus. Prison officials telling us Lopez, a convicted murderer, was shackled and locked inside a metal cage designed for high-risk inmates 
with two armed guards on board. But somehow he got out of his restraints, cut through the metal cage, overpowered both guards before driving away and ultimately running into the woods near Centerville. It sounds like a well-orchestrated scene from an action movie that has prompted an all-out manhunt. But how does that happen in real life? Matt Doherty, trying to get answers to those questions tonight. Matt? You'd have to think some serious planning was behind an escape like this. But like most of this case, the details are still very much a mystery. For the first time, we're getting a better idea of what's happening inside that five square mile search area in western Leon County. This video given to us today by the Texas Department of Criminal Justice shows the hundreds of officers who have been marching through the brush acre by acre in the pop-up city that sprung up on the cow pastures in and around Centerville. But so far, every possible hiding spot has come up empty. Right now, every indication we have is that he's still out here. TDCJ spokesman Robert Hurst shared newly released images of escaped inmate Gonzalo Lopez. They were taken by surveillance cameras shortly before he boarded the prison transport bus last Thursday. I've had a lot of people comment, you know, that he's got a smirk on his face, so who knows what he was thinking. It is still unknown if Lopez brought anything onto the bus that may have assisted his escape. The proper protocol is for an inmate to be searched before they get onto a transport bus. That'll be part of our investigation to find out if protocol was followed in what was supposed to be done. How the convicted killer for the cartel managed to shed his shackles, cut through a metal barrier, stab a prison bus driver, and ultimately get away is still a mystery, Hearst says. That's part of our ongoing investigation is to find out exactly how he did it and why it was not noticeable. We're going to be turning over every possibility to find out what it was that he did and how he did it. And is there any indication that somebody from the inside was involved in this? I have not been notified of anything like that, but again, that'll be part of our ongoing investigation. In Centerville, I'm Matt Doherty. So, folks, you know, he's not going to, first of all, this guy's a public relations guy. He's not going to give you, or he may not even be privy right now to the investigation. Uh, Giovanni Abadi. Hi, Bill. No shot. He did this alone. Uh, Casey and Vicky, White had money, cause, et cetera, and only lasted 11 days. He had nothing, and he's still out there. It doesn't make sense. The only way Giovanni is that that area is filled with, like, cabins and hunting cabins and vacation homes. Could he have broken into one of them? And and is there this could be food, uh, supplies in there, guns, certainly. He could be laying low until the heat you know, till the investigation is scaled back, the search is scaled back. And yeah, he could be, um, he could be laying low, you know. Um, Lori Shelters, he's doing the same thing Matt and Sweat did. He's moving at night. Very possibly he could be moving at night. Or what we just suggested is that if he is in a cabin, if he's laying low in a cabin, he he's just going to stay where he is until the heat lessens. You know, and he's, and that he's all, you know, he's alone and he's comfortable that he's, um, that, that he's not going to get caught and he's comfortable in his, in the fact that he's, he's moving at night or he's, they're not going to find him inside this cabin, all of those things. And he has, he has the confidence in that he's done this before he's done this before. And, uh, that's one of the things that, um, you know, 
he has on his side. He also has on his side that he's a killer and he's not afraid to kill again, you know, and that's the scary thing for the public. I don't know if you guys watched any of Duty Ron's show last night, but he had uh, a couple of witnesses on, a woman and her son, who actually pulled up when this was going on. And her account of it was a little bit different than the correction officer's account of it. She saw him running across the field, yet she heard nor saw no shots. There was a police officer from the local police that pulled up, and I would like to know what his function was. It looked like he just stood on the road and did nothing. So, I mean, this thing has to be totally investigated because this guy here, this Robert Hurst that just keeps throwing out kudos like, oh, they're heroes. No, they're not heroes. Stop throwing out that hero word. So we know what the hell happened here. You know, you can't just declare them heroes when you don't even know what happened. Uh, Darren, no way he could have pulled this off without help from being. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Uh, Laura Graverholt, he's got to get hungry sometime. After all, he's been fed regularly for some time now. Good day, everyone. Hello. What we said, Laura, is that potentially he could be inside a cabin secreted by himself um antonio the son told them what was going on said they heard nothing yeah are you referring to those witnesses right those witnesses that were on duty ron show last night they pulled up and they heard no gunshots so is that and how about part of the investigation when a police officer fires his weapon internal affairs takes his firearms and they do an examination on the gun see whether it was fired how much ammo is left inside the gun was the gun recently fired what's going on with that investigation i mean to just for this guy hurst just to to declare himself you know to, to clear them before this investigation has even has even they've gotten any results is we've got over 300 officers that are on the ground searching for gonzalo lopez who escaped from us Thursday afternoon at about 1.20 in the afternoon after he had commandeered a transport bus for about a mile after getting into a fight with one of our officers who was driving the bus and another officer who was in the back of the bus who quickly and heroically and smartly decided to shoot out. The you said you just heard that quickly, heroically and smartly decided to shoot out the uh, tires of the bus. He's declaring this whole thing, you know, that basically he just declared no need for an investigation. I just declared them quickly, heroically, and smartly shut out the tires of the bus. He, he's, he's declared that. The back tires of the bus, uh, as it was driving down the highway, he had gotten out of the back of the bus through the emergency door, shot out the tires. Lopez then lost control of the bus on the side of the road. The officers caught up to him. Uh, when they did catch up to him, he was running across a cow pasture northbound. They did fire shots at him, but... You know, the witnesses are refuting that. You know, they saw they saw the inmate running across the field, yet they heard no gunshots. So it's flying in the face of what he's saying. So are they going to get these witnesses in? Are they going to speak to these witnesses? Because the accounts are not adding up. They're not making sense. And that's what investigation is, is to try to find out the truth. To our knowledge, we don't believe he was hit. 
since Thursday afternoon, we've had numerous law enforcement agencies, along with the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, who are involved in this search for him in an area just west of Centerville. Today, we are continuing the search with uh, officers on foot, as well as support from the Texas Department of Public Safety with their helicopter and some thermal imaging uh, looking down on the ground in an attempt to locate him. Our intelligence tells us that he is still in this area. We do not believe that he has left this area. Uh, so we are concentrating on continuing to look for him here. Um, we also want to thank the numerous um, donations that have come in from private citizens, as well as our friends in law enforcement, donations of food, water, other resources that are helping us in this uh, search, uh, helping in, in the continuation of this search. We cannot thank them enough. Of course, uh, the Texas Department of Criminal Justice has those resources uh, at our fingertips, but it always helps when our friends in law enforcement and the public uh, come forward and, and, and help, help us out with, with those donations as well. So uh, that's what I can tell you right now. It's getting warm out here as it has been for the last couple of days. So uh, we're, we're hopeful that we can locate him today. Uh, it's been going on since Thursday afternoon at about 1.45. Uh, we have not let up. Uh, this, this is from early on in the investigation. So again, this is entering its uh, second week. Uh, this dangerous criminals out there. It's the second week. And today they've decided to expand that five mile square, uh, thinking that perhaps he got outside that perimeter. I think that they should have been a little more open to that uh, earlier on, right? Uh, no, it's not. It's not two weeks ago. Um, it uh, he escaped on a Thursday, so it's um, what do we, what do we got today? Thursday. Uh, I think this is the eighth day. Um, yeah, this is the eighth day. So it's entering the second week. It's not two weeks, but it's starting the second week. Um, more and more uncomfortable when you know we describe him as a. Um, uh, oh, here we go. Andres uh, Rangel, the witness said only the officer from Jewett was out there. The two correction officers and the officer from Jewett. What, what did the officer from Jewett see? What did he do? Apparently, he was on the scene, as you could see, the inmate running across the field. I mean, why didn't he just jump in his car and chase him across the field? I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not getting this. This is not, this does not seem like professional law enforcement work. You know, it seems like. There's a lot of questions to be asked here. There's a lot of uh, what we said yesterday was fugaziness. A lot of questions that we have about this. It just is not making a hell of a lot of, a hell of a lot of sense at all. And I, I, I was looking for the um, the video of the, of him actually running across the field that the the, the mother and her son took. Um, this is another station. They they had some more information. It's been seen since. KX Sarah Wilson has been on the top of this story from the first hour, and she joins us live with what happened during today's search. Sarah. 
William, we are now in week two of this search for escaped Texas inmate Gonzalo Lopez. And today, officials changed their strategy, but just a little bit. And today, we also did some searching of our own around the perimeter that was allowed, going towards I-45 south towards Madisonville. And we saw police officers on foot with their K-9 units searching the area relentlessly for Lopez. Authorities say they are not letting up, despite some severe weather that may be coming this way in this area soon this weekend. They say it may be a brief pause with the severe weather, but not a confirmation because her says they are not stopping. They're going to continue to search this entire area. Even um, Jeff Young, in the video, he's standing by his car. You're referring to the office from the local police department. The witness says to him, he's over there running. <laughs> he's over there running. Maybe that, maybe you should do something since he is an escaped inmate. Even moving some of their search teams a little bit past their perimeter just to broaden their scope to find Lopez. And they say Lopez lasted nine days last time he was found and caught by the police. And now you know we're on day eight. And Hearst didn't say if when we reach day nine, what the chances are that he will be found. We're on week two again, and we're not sure if Lopez is still out there. But authorities do believe that he's still in this area. So again, authorities are urging you, do not engage with Lopez if you see him. He is considered armed and dangerous and that you should call 911 immediately. More updates will come as we'll keep you updated on the latest. You can visit kxtv.com to see the entire timeline. More coming soon. We're Sarah Wilson reporting in Leon County. Back to So, you know, today they've expanded. This is, again, starting week number two. So uh, Thursday was one week. Today's the eighth day. So it's starting week number two. But there's no new, new information to this. You know, there's no, uh, oh, we have a smoking gun. We know we know what what happened. We know where he is. We uh, we 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 were convinced he's in this area. That you don't see. They're starting to change their position on that. They're starting to pull back a little bit on that and saying that oh no, uh, there's a potential that he got outside the area. But they're not um, they're not committed to that. They're still they're sort of pulling away from that, which is a sign that uh, they're not confident of it at all. Um, so it's, I don't know. I'm not, um, I'm not very confident of this, of, of what they know, when do they know it, how are they acting upon this stuff? It's, uh, it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit tough. It's a little bit tough to believe what they're saying here because he's told a lot of things that didn't make any sense. And they came back with different information and they're changing up a little bit. So it's hard for us to take this and just say, oh, yeah, he's telling the truth. An escape like this. But like most of this case, the details are still very much a mystery. For the first time, we're getting a better idea of what's happening inside that five square mile search area in western Leon County. This video given to us today by the Texas Department of Criminal Justice shows the hundreds of officers who have been marching through the brush acre by acre and the pop-up city that sprung up on the cow pastures in and around Centerville. But so far, 
every possible hiding spot has come up empty. Right now, every indication we have is that he's still out here. TDCJ spokesman Robert Hurst shared newly released images of escaped inmate Gonzalo Lopez. They were taken by surveillance cameras shortly before he boarded the prison transport bus last Thursday. I've had a lot of people comment, you know, that he's got a smirk on his face, so who knows what he was thinking. It is still unknown if Lopez brought anything onto the bus that may have assisted his escape. The proper protocol is for an inmate to be searched before they get onto a transport bus. That'll be part of our investigation to find out if protocol was followed in what was supposed to be done. How the convicted killer for the cartel managed to shed his shackles, cut through a metal barrier, stab a prison bus driver, and ultimately get away is still a mystery, Hearst says. That's part of our ongoing investigation is to find out exactly how he did it and why it was not noticeable. We're going to be turning over every possibility to find out what it was that he did and how he did it. And is there any indication that somebody from the inside was involved in this? I have not been notified of anything like that, but again, that'll be part of our ongoing investigation. In Centerville, I'm Matt. This guy, Robert Hurst, doesn't give you a lot of um, confidence that the that everything uh, that can be done is being done right now. Um you know, they just pulled off that position that uh, that he he's no longer um, you know he's no longer in that area. They just pulled off that position that um, uh, that you know he possibly could have got outside that area, but they were not they were unwavering from that until uh, just recently. So it's like uh, I'm sure this is not um, this terrain is not you know friendly terrain it's not friendly it's uh the land is harsh there's lots of animals there's all of that kind of stuff so it it basically favors law enforcement but again if he got into one of these cabins that are out there these vacation these hunting cabins he could just be laying low indefinitely you know and that's that's the problem. That's where they need to do a door-to-door search with that stuff. To travel the county roads just northwest of the media staging area in Centerville. The perimeter in the search for Gonzalo Lopez has changed as of today. Though TDCJ has blocked access to major highways in the area, we found no police around to stop vehicles traveling onto County Road 317 from the I-45 access road. So... We kept going. A few miles in, we spoke to a resident in a neighborhood just a few miles northwest of the Redland community. Day one, I wasn't really, I didn't think he could get this far on foot, really. Um, We're probably, we're a couple miles and there's a lot of dense woods. I don't, he wouldn't come here. She says her husband has only been stopped by police once when driving along 317 this past week and her family feels safe. Eventually, law enforcement did stop our news vehicle as we ventured further west and turned us around. Not once were we stopped by police prior to that, nor did we see any officers, signs, or barriers to entry. Uh, We are going to change up our strategy just a little bit in the search. Can't go into too much in the way of specifics, but we are going to kind of move our search teams into a different part of the area. TDCJ say they still believe Gonzalo Lopez is in the area. We are positive that we will find him and get him back into custody. Residents like Araby say they are grateful for the hard work law enforcement officers are putting in. 
but she says she isn't seeing a lot of them near her place. I, I don't rely on them for my protection, honestly. <laughs> um, the law will do what they're going to do, and I'm responsible for my safety. So, When speaking with media early this afternoon, TDCJ did note that there was no suspicious activity regarding the transport of Gonzalo Lopez between Gatesville and Huntsville. And they clarified that this meant there was not a suspicious vehicle following the bus. Reporting in Centerville, Rebecca Fiedler, KRHD News. So, folks, you hear there's a, uh, there's a Texan in true Texan form. I don't rely on the police to protect me, and you know what she means. She means she's got her own guns. She's, <laughs> she's not worried. She's not depending on the police because I'll, I'll defend myself. Because I got, you know, I got more guns than the police, even the police have. So uh, that's um, that's the great spirit. Because you cannot, uh, you cannot depend on the police to protect you. That's for sure. And uh, we got this new, of course, fifty thousand dollar reward, and um, that should help a little bit. But you know, in these kind of cases. People are very much concerned with uh, um, concerned with given information since there is um, the tell the the Mexican mafia uh, and you know I don't think they really necessarily want to get involved with uh, giving up information about a runaway uh, lifer uh, so you know that might not be. That might not be what's going to happen, you know. It's uh, I I actually just found the the video of the of the inmate of the inmate running away. Hang on a second, I'm going to just play this for you. This is very interesting because I don't know why the um, uh, I don't know why they haven't shown this. The public relations guy show it to everybody. I guess somehow it flies in the face of what they're saying. He's in the woods. See, she there it is. She screams to that local cop uh, 
you'll see it right on the scene. He's in the woods. He's in the woods. He's, he's just standing there. Like he, he had run. I don't know if there's a fence there or could he have driven his car right onto the field and chased him. But, you know, what was he doing? If he's just standing there, he's in the woods. And, you know, why wasn't he going after the guy? There's the bus. Yeah, I saw him go in the woods. He saw everything. What the? Wait, I want to be on the news. <laughs> you see it? Yeah, he ran at that. He ran towards that house. You think? Yeah, somewhere near that house. So I was in that house. Might want to be careful. There's, whoever's in that house is gonna want to be careful. Be looking, Braxton. Keep your What are they, all these bugs here? It's love bugs. Well, you could see, I mean, when they compared, I think, what they saw as and compared to what the COs and the, the local police officer was saying it didn't seem like it was matching uh it's it it just doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense part of an investigation is to um compare the truth and to compare people's stories and then come up with the truth from their stories what's true what's not true um i don't totally understand this uh, from what i understand these folks they discounted what they saw um it's uh, i don't understand it uh bill not only is he just standing there there's no immediate reaction you see him where is he bill leo said that yeah that local officer i don't know um what he was doing um salty bill if he has a weapon of sort he may be um he may be keeping someone that's very you know we spoke of all the possibilities and again anything is possible he could be in laying low or he could be well gone from this area far far gone but uh we'll, we'll find that out they look they got to stay on the ground till they find this guy and as of yet um they haven't found him so guys this is um this is police off the cuff real crime stories i'm your host bill cannon we're going to stay with this story if there's any new information there really hasn't been a lot of brand new information, little tidbits. I don't think this public relations guy is really feeding the information to the press. I, you could hear how frustrated Ashley Banfield was and that they're not getting regular updates. No one from the Texas Department of Corrections public information is giving them any information. Uh, it's coming in drips and drabs. Folks, I want you to have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for watching and be safe. Whatever.
so 